0: Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Want to direct your attention to KTAR.com slash Arizona Votes. It's where you can hear candidate interviews, being informed voter when it comes to these all-important elections. Joining us in studio, Republican candidate for the United States Senate, Blake Masters. Blake, thanks for coming down. Great to see you. Thanks, Mike. Um, let's start with the abortion conversation. It seems like every other commercial on television now is talking about your stance on abortion. And now the headline came out this morning that you have basically scrubbed your website with your abortion stance and you're backtracking.
1: Yeah, fake news. Uh, Go read the website. It is the most detailed, most pro-life agenda of any Senate candidate nationwide. Um, What I did is go on the attack. I added some language to it uh, that points out, yeah, Mark Kelly, he calls me a pro-life extremist. And I'm pro-life. I don't make apologies for that. Um, But I I added some language to call him out. Actually, they're lying about me and and my position because they're the extremists. Mark Kelly votes for the most extreme abortion laws in the world. We are talking no limits up until birth. That's what the... Modern Democratic Party believes uh, the media didn't like that. I'm reclaiming the narrative. I'm going on the attack. I'm pointing out his abortion extremism, um, and so, so you get headlines like this. But I invite people to go go to the website, and I'm not going to run from being pro-life.
0: I I agreed with the um, ending of Roe v. Wade and what the Supreme Court did because it gives it back to the states. I'm a big states' rights believer. Where do you where does that
1: factor in for you? What, what's your opinion on that? I'm glad that uh, that Dobbs you know reversed Roe. You send the issue back to the states. I think that's where the pro life movement is going to pick up and continue the fight, right? and I support that. Uh, I do think that there's a role for the federal government, though, and I've campaigned on this. I've been clear on this time and time again. Uh, at a certain point, yeah, hey, great, let's let Texas make its decision and Arizona make its decision, but no, at a certain point, the feds have to step in, because at a certain point, everybody of good conscience knows that that is a baby, a fully formed human being that can feel pain, that's created in the image of God. I mean, I'm a Catholic, I'm, I'm pro-life, but uh, you know, my, my policy, what I'm going to focus on in the U.S. Senate is getting a ban on partial birth and 3rd trimester abortions. It's like 80, 90% of Americans agree we shouldn't be aborting babies at seven, eight, nine months. And so let's get that done. I understand that that's not uh, enough for many people, um, but let's get that done. So now I'm taking heat from all sides, but you know what? I just think that's the right, right thing to do. Still the
0: number one issue for people, and, and the abortion issue has now become a bigger one than it was before, but still the number one issue for people is the economy. Um, there have been people on both sides of the aisle looking at the student loan forgiveness, um, that the Inflation Reduction Act doesn't do anything for inflation. Um, Where do you stand on these issues? What needs to happen if you go to Washington? How do
1: you build a coalition to slow some of this government action down? Well, I think we slow a lot of it down simply by taking back the House, simply by taking back the Senate. We can stop these crazy Joe Biden spending bills. You know, it's you never have to wonder how Mark Kelly is going to vote when Joe Biden proposes a bill. He's just an automatic rubber stamp. Yes. Um, I was a little disappointed with Senator Sinema and Senator Manchin, who who caved and and voted to pass the Inflation Reduction Act. But at least you had to wonder. Are they going to do this? Or are they not going to do it? Okay, they did it. And the problem is, yeah, Inflation Reduction Act, right? It's Orwellian. When you name something like that, when the Democrats name that, you know it's just going to do the opposite. It's going to increase inflation because what it is is a tax and spend bill. They raised taxes on middle-class Americans, on businesses during a recession, uh, and then they're just spending hundreds of billions of dollars. They're printing the money, um, And they're going to spend on Green New Deal prerogatives. It's going to make inflation worse. When you, I want to talk about that Green New Deal
0: aspect of this. Uh, My opinion has been that the Biden administration sees everything through the prism of climate change first, and that's where everything flows out of. Now we're talking California, Massachusetts, and I think Washington state are going to say no more uh, gas-powered vehicles by 2035. Is that even feasible, and what does that do to the neighboring states?
1: Uh, it's not feasible, although it could cause a lot of damage, right? But that's the thing. You said it. They're so ideological about this climate change stuff. Mark Kelly, Joe Biden, they don't actually care if you're paying double for a tank of gas, even triple. They don't care. Like, that's worth it to them. They would rather have you suffer but get their green uh, New Deal, their climate prerogatives over the finish line. It's why Pete Buttigieg is so out of touch. You know, you ask him about inflation, and he's like, well, if you don't like your higher gas prices, maybe just buy a $70,000 electric car. I mean, what's wrong with you, right? These people are out of touch, they're obsessed with their climate ideology, and they don't care that normal people are suffering because of it.
0: Blake Masters is joining me. He is a Republican candidate for the United States Senate, the Republican candidate for the United States Senate in Arizona. Um, another very important issue in the state of Arizona, but definitely one that you will impact if you win this seat, is what's going on at the southern border. What do you think of two things? What Governor Ducey did by putting the the, the wall up, or you know, the temporary wall up, and what do you think of the buses being sent from Arizona and Texas into DC?
1: and New York. I applaud Governor Ducey for for building those walls. Um, You know, I hear some grumbling from the grassroots that it's too little too late and I say, you know... I'm glad that we're building those and I want him to do more of it. And he's to be commended for that. Um, what do I think of uh, sending buses of illegals to, to D.C.? It's cute. Right. And all of a sudden you get the D.C. mayor, you get the New York City mayor saying, wait we, wait, we don't want these people. This strains our social safety services. And it's like, hi, we've been feeling the brunt of this here in Arizona. This is what we're telling you. Uh, but, you know, I don't want to just bust them to D.C. because I don't think they should be in this country. Bust them back to Honduras or El Salvador or where they came from because, you know, you don't just get to, to forum shop and claim asylum and come here no, Biden has created this crisis and it needs to stop. I think, the call me old-fashioned, Mike, but I think the correct amount of illegal immigration is zero. Do you think it's
0: possible that we can come up with a deal where both sides of the aisle come to the table and effectively secure the border and revamp an immigration system that allows for good people to come to this country and bring new blood and, and for other people to live the American dream? Can that deal possibly get
1: done? I think so, but only in a Republican-dominated Congress. I think you can work with, uh, with with cinema, hopefully, I think you can work with Manchin. I don't think you can work with Democrats like Mark Kelly or Bernie Sanders or Chuck Schumer. I think they're far too ideological, far too left wing. Uh, they believe in open borders and globalism. And um, and we don't here in the Republican Party and independents and moderates don't either. So um, how do you address this? Mark
0: Kelly has spent a lot of time saying he's been calling out the failings of the federal government at the border and
1: trying to be and saying that he's strong on the border. Uh, do, do you dispute that? Do you say he isn't? I absolutely dispute that. No, it's nothing but a lie. Mark Kelly spent 18 months just carrying water for Joe Biden. Anything Biden asks for, he just says, yes, sir, please, sir. More of this. He's an open borders guy. I know he gets on TV with fancy, expensive TV commercials and pretends to be a moderate. Uh, But I actually talked to border sheriffs in Arizona. I actually talked to border patrol people. And these people know Mark Kelly has just left them hanging out to dry. He's done more than anyone in arizona probably in the country to help joe biden drag this country further in the wrong direction i think mark kelly is literally responsible for the deaths the murder the rape that's occurring at the southern border and the fentanyl that's killing so many of our young people uh, north of the border he personally is responsible he could have put a stop to it he's failed at every turn to do that
0: so um if you win the seat how do you work with the senior senator Kirsten Cinema? Have you had any conversations with her before? How do you guys work together for what's best for Arizona? She seems to be a little bit more pliable to your ideas than any other Democrat in the Senate.
1: I, I you know, I think we'd probably have a good relationship. Um, I think it's possible to praise Senator Cinema too much. You know, I think she's too yeah. left wing. She still votes Democrat like ninety ninety five percent of the time. Uh, but I do respect where she's willing to show independence. You know, she promised to be independent, and God bless her. We're really matters most sometimes on the you know preserving the filibuster for instance she has been independent she knows how to tell chuck schumer to go pound sand and i respect that Uh, mark kelly he made all those same noises he promised to be independent two years later his trial run it's just the exact opposite. It was a lie. I know people don't want to believe that, like, oh, an astronaut was a liar, but, like, he sold his vote to Chuck Schumer. He has no independence of mind, and that doesn't reflect Arizona. All right, so uh, I hope you'll come back. I
0: mean, we run out of time so quickly in these interviews, but how can people find your campaign? I want, Like you said, have them go to the website and let them read what your stance is on abortion and the other issues. Where do they find you?
1: Very simple. Go to
0: BlakeMasters.com. All right, that's Blake Masters, candidate for Senate. Thanks for coming down and doing this. Great to see you, Mike. All right, we'll be back in just a moment. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. If you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, do it. It's very simple to do. Never miss a minute of the show. Listen at your convenience. This week, the Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you by King LASIK and K2 Vision RLE. The best vision for the Valley. Schedule your virtual virtual consult at King K 2 visioncom We are awaiting to see the redacted Mar-a-Lago raid affidavit. I want to talk a little bit about this because that is going to be a big story when it breaks. Depending on what's in the affidavit. It. And so uh, I've been sitting in here watching and waiting and trying to figure out what happens when it drops, what information will be in it. This is the other part of what we do that I don't understand in society. And I understand that we are um, far apart politically. Something like this: you have to acknowledge things, and I'm someone that's doing my best to acknowledge some of them. I don't know what the former, what the former president had at his home. have no idea. And until I do, I'm withholding judgment. And if you want to say that I'm running cover, then you're wrong because the other side of this has proven themselves to be overtly politically motivated, plain and simple. That's what's happened, that they have um, gone out of their way to go after with absolutely no foundation and evidence of any wrongdoing. You can have insinuations, but every single, all of these investigations have found nothing. And they continued. It is one of the reasons why I had a problem with the way the Arizona audit was done. I talked about it before. Too one sided, and it was my side. I mean, it was sided. These were my people. So, but the the problem is that if you're not talking to the public at large and saying we are going to do something that is absolutely fair and transparent because we believe something might have been done wrong, and and. If nothing was done wrong, we're going to make sure you see that, too. We just want to get to the bottom of the accusations. If you approach something like that and you're right about this or anybody, everybody's right about this when they say, then if you have nothing to hide, you'll be exonerated in the end. And I agree with that principle. I agree that we are way too uh, hidden in what we do. The agendas are hidden and there was way too much of it. So I am not going to excuse the Biden administration or this Department of Justice from political motivation of making something out much bigger than it needed to be a mountain out of a molehill. I'm not I'm not saying they did, but I'm certainly not going to go out and say that they didn't after the track record they had. And, and anybody who sees it differently is as politically motivated as you accuse me of being. So I want what's best. In the end, I am an American before I'm a Republican. I want what's best for my country. I want the people that I support, and I voted for Donald Trump twice. I was happy to vote for him twice. I thought he was a much better candidate than Hillary Clinton. I thought he was a much better candidate than Joe Biden, and I voted for him twice. But I also want the truth. I'm held accountable, you're held accountable. If people do the wrong thing, whatever that level of accountability is, we want them held to. But just like you wouldn't want someone, um, you know, you wouldn't want somebody coming into your home armed to the teeth, um, coming into your home and saying we want this information from you when they could have just asked or should have just asked or could have done it a different way to make you look bad. And we all know that it happens. We all know that it happens. So until there is a resolution, until there is evidence out there that shows either way. Now, there are a couple of things on both sides of this issue which still have it up in the air for me. One is information that's come out in the last couple of days where the lawyers for the former president agreed, at least in principle, it would look like from memos that have been released, that some of these documents needed to go back to the National Archives, that they had been talked to and that they agreed that that was what needed to happen. That doesn't look good for, for Donald Trump. I don't know what he had. And the other thing in this that I've talked about at, for a, a lot is I'm, I want to be informed. And I, I apologize that I'm not more informed, but I don't have the information on this. I don't know what is normal – for a president, a former president, to have possession of. I don't know what kind of documents pertaining to Iraq and Afghanistan that George W. Bush has. Oh, same with, uh, with um, Barack Obama. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know what Ronald Reagan took when he left office. I don't know the answer to any of those questions. I don't know what Bill Clinton has. I don't know what's normal in documentation for presidents to take with them and what isn't. I don't know the answer to that. And I think all of us would have a better perception of what this is all about if we knew that. If somebody said, you know, the the Bush administration, when President Bush left office after two terms, he had a truckload and a half of documents that he keeps in a secure location in his home. It's part of what I don't know. I don't know the answer or if they keep them for a time as a point of reference for something they might be consulted on when things are moving forward in issues that were going on during their presidency. And I don't know the answer to that either. So the the political hangmanship is the problem. All right, we got to take a break very quickly. Coming up in a moment, we talk about the local economy. We'll be back here in just one moment. All right. So you just heard in the news break, the news update. The DOJ releases the redacted Mar-a-Lago raid affidavit, and it is exactly the joke we thought it would be. It was a piece of paper that had, I think, three or four words you could read on the entire page. So we will uh, we'll talk more about this as warranted. Uh, but right now, there's not much to report. So that's where it stands. Um, Phoenix area rent prices may be leveling off according to real estate experts that 's good news um, but rents remain very very high uh, across the country here in the in the valley The average Monthly rents across the uh, across the country, Uh, one bedroom average rent across this is nationwide is seventeen hundred and seventy dollars. That's a thirty nine percent increase year over year. Um, State to state rents remain largely uh, one bedrooms in Idaho registered year over year price drops, and uh, other places rent is going up, including here in the valley. We talked a little bit about this earlier that the economy is um, is a big topic politically. This is an election year. Um, It is also. the midterm elections, usually the party that is that has the White House has a harder time in the midterm elections. But when you look at the headwinds of what's happening in the, in the economy, it's doing even more so, I believe. Um, so the Biden administration has made a couple of maneuvers. The poll numbers for the president have gone up. Now, they haven't gone up much with independents and certainly not with the Republicans. But he has gone back up with his party because he has accomplished a couple of things. That they wanted him to accomplish and part of it is this student loan forgiveness and a big part of what our economy is going to do in the near future and in the long term is dependent on this. We're going to talk at length. There's an update about what the president has said and what the White House is now saying about how they're going to pay for this loan reduction and uh, loan forgiveness, I should say. Um, and this has got the country talking and I think that part of it is a good conversation um, I have people that I, I debate with pretty often on the issue of this loan forgiveness, and I got to tell you that I think it is such a bad idea, and even if I were a recipient of it, I would tell you I think it's a bad idea. What's happening is we are – and I, that doesn't mean that I don't understand that people are having a difficult time. They, I understand it. I've had difficult times myself paying bills. I've had difficult times myself when there were situations I have certainly got myself into, and there were some things that were out of my control that I didn't do that caused it to happen. But if we start saying when we succeed, we get the credit, and when we fail, the government bails us out, we are on a slippery slope into the wrong direction because nothing comes without strings attached. Nothing is free. This isn't student loan forgiveness and the money just evaporates. This is going to be spread out over the taxpayers. The White House is not saying whether or not it's going to have to increase taxes in order to pay for it. The other elements of that are, again, when you talk about government loans, the Small Business Administration, the SBA loans that are given out for startups and business expansions and things that help fuel the economy. But they are loans that are paid back by these companies those loans um, are guaranteed by the government. If the government were to forgive those, how would people feel? And that's where the issue for me is. This is not, um, this is a blanket forgiveness for people you don't even have to have graduated from college to take advantage of it so you borrowed money from the american people in the form of student loans and then you didn't finish your schooling and we are going to forgive those loans now you're going to hear when this comes up in conversation you will hear all of the stories from the people where it wasn't their fault a family member died or they had an illness or all of those stories but mixed in with all of those stories are also going to be the stories of people that just didn't do it For one reason or another, they just didn't do it. But in the end, the conversation about our economy is how do you continue to watch the economy grow in America when you are saddling the job creators and big and small businesses with more debt and with more regulation and then the expectation of growth. It is like saying we want you to run the 40-yard dash, but first we're going to hand you a 10-pound sandbag, and when you run it the next time, we're going to hand you a second sandbag, and we have an expectation that you're going to run as fast as you did the first time, and that's not what happens. So there are are some people in in this country that believe that that's part of people paying their fair share, that it's part of what you must do as a citizen, and it's your civic duty. And there are others like myself that say I would rather trust the private sector, and I know that there are people out there that are not honest. I know that there are people out there that are greedy, but that's across the board. It's not just the wealthy. I would rather trust the private sector, certainly giving the power back to the states and allowing the states to control this than the federal government. That's my biggest issue with this economy and the way it's going. We know that there has been a burden. Every one of us intellectually understands because we've gone through it as individuals. There has been a strain to almost everyone during COVID-19 financially in one way or another there was a huge strain to you financially so now that we're coming out of COVID in the sense that we're not doing shutdowns anymore, it seems like businesses are getting back to normal like they should. Now we're starting to look at the immense amount of fraud that came from the PPP loans, and we're looking at people now trying to get their businesses back up and running, people trying to figure out what the working workplace looks like. There are some companies that are saying to their employees, you've got to come back to the office. There are employees saying, I'm not going back to the office. If I can't work remotely, I quit. We are trying to figure all of that out. Why? While that's happening, we are going to see a dramatic tax increase to a lot of people. And whether or not you say it's just the ultra-wealthy, it is going to affect, if they get this, this corporate tax rate that they want, um, it is going to affect small business owners as well. And then you've got the dramatic increase in power to the EPA and the Environmental Protection Agency and regulatory agencies and what it's going to do to these companies and regulation. In the end, the average American person is going to pay more. Because they are not going to eat these costs in these major corporations. The cost of those businesses go up. The cost of their products, whatever that product is, goes up. And watching this happen over and over and over again, and it's frustrating because the average American gets squeezed. It's the middle class that always gets squeezed. We we continue to watch um, – The people at the lowest end of the economic ladder, the lowest rung on the ladder, get subsidized. And I'm not calling it right or wrong. I'm just acknowledging what it is. They get subsidized. There's food assistance. There is insurance assistance. You know, here in Arizona, you can get WIC and you can get food stamps and you can get uh, access insurance for your kids and all that's available. And to wealthy people, people that have a lot of money, it is an inconvenience for them, but it isn't a life changer for them. The middle class, the ones that make too much money for subsidies, but they don't make enough to eat these costs, whether it's tuition cost, fuel, food, they are the ones that continue to get squeezed. So when you raise the minimum wage arbitrarily say, we're going to have a $15 an hour minimum wage. We want a living wage. The cost of living goes up so that the same living you were making at $11 an hour, you're now making at $15 an hour. Everything costs so much that you are still in the same place treading water you were. Wealthier people are going to pay more and they're not going to like it, but that's just the way it is. The middle class watches their budget that they're on shrink because they don't make enough money to offset that cost but they're not getting a raise that doesn't mean that if you're if you're going from 11 or 12 dollars an hour to 15 dollars an hour that the person making 22 bucks an hour jumps to 25 or 26 that doesn't happen And we all know that doesn't happen. And that's where this trouble lies. And the private sector works it out. When you expand the base of employment, when there are a lot of jobs out there for people, you can mandate how much money you want to make. And a company that wants to hire and keep good employees pays more to keep those employees around. That is not an arbitrary raising of the minimum wage. What that is is a market-driven improvement in the quality of someone's life. The higher your skill level, the more in-demand your skills are, the more you can demand for those skills period. And we've got to get back to that at some point. In a moment, um, a story about COVID-19. Now, we don't talk about COVID much anymore, but there's two stories. One of them is an admission about vaccines efficacy and the morphing of COVID-19. And the other is restrictions and coming into the country and why it is back on the list and back in people's uh, view. We'll talk about that coming up in just one moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. And hey, thanks for being here. Uh don't usually spend a lot of time talking about COVID 19, but I found these two stories side by side to be very fascinating. One of them says Omicron's mutations impaired vaccine effectiveness, according to the CDC, which we all knew that this is not something new to vaccines. It's not an indictment of this specific vaccine. But we even know what the flu shot, how that works. There are different strains of influenza. And depending on what what, what uh, virus, what strain they believe is going to hit where you are, that's where they send those vaccines. And if you get the right vaccine, it protects you in big numbers from that particular strain. But not of all of them, and so it's effective. But it, depending on which strain is around you, or you're in, you are uh, you've come in contact with or exposed to, that, that that makes sense, and that does doesn't shock anyone. The idea of what we were sold about the vaccine: get vaccinated, get boosted. All the and I did it all. I, I got vaccinated, I got boosted, and I'll be honest with you, I feel a little bit duped. Um, I'm not saying I regret doing it. I'm saying I feel a little bit duped. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with my anti-vaxxer friends. They were a lot closer to being right about this than the people that were on the other side of it. When we were told that if you don't get a vaccine, you should lose your job and lose your children was the narrative by many people. Now, it was a lot of it was social media where it gets nasty and you're anonymous. But that was the sentiment in this country. And we've seen members of the military kicked out. We've seen members of the military have their career, uh, career suspended because of being vaccinated or not being Vaccinated, and more and more data continues to come out that says that the vaccine was not as effective as they said it was going to be, that it was not going to prevent the spread, but that it was probably going to diminish the severity of symptoms, which is not what we were told from the beginning. So now I put it side by side with this story. Now, I know when you think of me and you think about athletes and athletics and sports, you think professional tennis, right? When you think Mike Broomhead, you think professional tennis. Of course, you do. Uh, the Joker, they call him Novak Djokovic, uh, is not going to play in the U.S. Open because the rules in the U.S. are still there that say that you cannot come to this country unless you've been fully vaccinated. Now, wait a minute. Hang on. The number one tennis player in the world is not allowed to come to the United States on an airplane and enter through an airport and go play in a a tennis tournament. He's not allowed to. We have no such requirement for the people that cross our border illegally. There is no vaccination requirement for those people, not even when they get here. They are not. It's not mandated that they get vaccinated when they cross into our country. So. How, how, do we, how do we do this? Honestly, as a nation, how do we do this? We've had two sets of rules. That I believe they're still in place. And those of you that travel back and forth to Mexico know I'm right. If you drive into Mexico and you cross into Mexico and you come home from Mexico across, whether it's Nogales or any other port of entry, you are welcome back in no problem. Fly into Mexico. And when you fly home, you have to show a negative test before they let you in to your own country. How does that make any sense? I, 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 how does that make any sense whatsoever? This is why, even after all this time with COVID nineteen, everybody's got to be shrugging their shoulders, and so the only the only excuse people can come up with is, you know, they're they're just doing their best. No, they're not. There is absolutely no consistency with the policies whatsoever. None. The White House, the same White House that is going to take visa holders. If you want to come into this country, if you are a visa holder and you are an essential worker coming into the United States to do important work. To keep our economy afloat and in many high-tech industries, to keep those on the cutting edge and to keep them forward-thinking and moving, we bring in a lot of employees from outside of the country that are much better STEM students and much further along in their education than Americans are in many industries. And in order to honor one of those visas or have your visa honored, you have to show full vaccination and I believe also being boosted before you're allowed to get off the airplane and legally work in the United States. But if you cross the border this weekend with a coyote and you approach or are approached by somebody from the federal government, whether it's ICE or CBP. You are processed through the system. You are given a a bus ticket or a plane ticket or whatever it is. You are sent somewhere. You will go through the process. You're given a court date, and you're admitted to this country. Nothing about your COVID status or your vaccination status is even considered when you're doing that. And I want to know how anybody defends it. How does the number one tennis player in the world, who, by the way, won the French Open, played in the French Open – um, how do we stop him from working here? Does that I, I don't know if that this rings the bell with people or not, but I look at this this line of hypocrisy and I say you've got literally millions of people that have crossed into this country illegally at the southern border. I would imagine, and I don't know the exact number, but there are far less people that are coming into this country with visas. You're not letting the people that are doing it the right way in unless they're vaccinated, and yet you, you're you not even saying to the people that cross the border illegally, I would completely disagree with this policy, but there would be some level of consistency if it was there. If when someone crosses the border, you say to them, we are willing to process through you through our system, and we are willing willing to give you a court date four or five years down the road. We are willing to give you the ability to work in the U.S. and stay here while you're awaiting your case. But you've got to get vaccinated and boosted before you can do that. At least there'd be some level of consistency. It may be offered to people. It may be an option, but it's not an option for the people that are coming here legally. There is no consistency there. None. So again, uh, joking about tennis, um, I watch all professional sports at its highest level. So when the big majors come out, I watch them in golf. I watch them in tennis. Uh, I mean, casually, I'm not a big super fan. But this is a story that's in New York. It's it's a huge tournament every year. I've never been to the tournament itself, but I've been in New York when it's going on. It is electric in that town when it's going on. And the number one player in the world is not going to be there because of his vaccination status. By the way, busloads of people taking to New York from Texas hmm, don't have any idea. What their vaccination status is, do we? Doesn't seem re- right to me. The White House has been silent on whether or not taxes will have to be raised
1: in order to pay for the new school loan forgiveness. We're going to talk about the fallout from that in a moment.